Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Good to be back again on the program with all of our listeners. And again, we're thankful that you are there and that we have the opportunity to be here with you. We're thankful that God has blessed us with this ministry, with the ability to be able to be on the airwaves on such a widespread basis, far-reaching and reaching out to as many people as we possibly can. We're thankful that through this ministry, we have been able to reach out to many of you and touch your hearts. We are so thankful to hear from our listeners. We do hear from our listeners on a regular basis. We're thankful that so many are appreciative of the fact that when they tune in to search the scriptures, they know that they're going to hear the word of God proclaimed. They know they're going to hear scripture taught. And of course, that is exactly what the name of the program, Search the Scriptures, tries to indicate. We want to help you learn God's word more thoroughly, more effectively, more correctly. We want to dig deep and look down into the the, the more intricate details of what the scriptures really teach, and yet we try to get it across to you in a way that is easy to understand and that makes sense for your everyday life. We want to help you come closer to God. Now, the way faith develops, as we keep saying in the program, is by getting into God's word. Romans 10 and verse 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, or Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. It's not magical. It's not mystical. It's not something that is bestowed upon some people and withheld from other people. It is there. The opportunity to develop to develop it is for everybody, if you'll just get into God's Word. And so the best way that we can help you come to God is by helping you develop your faith through teaching you God's Word. And as your faith grows deeper and stronger, then you should naturally want to come to God. And the only way to God is through his Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me or by me. God, Jesus is our Savior. He's our only Savior. And he in a very unashamedly and at the same time very straightforward way, says that if we want to go to God, if we want to walk with God, if we want to be with God, if we want our, God, our lives to be God-centered, then we're going to have to come through Christ, our Savior, the Son of God, our Lord. We want to help you get there. And as you come to God through Christ, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in him as your Savior and your Lord and God's Son, then you repent of your sins, you confess your faith, you surrender to him through baptism for the remission of your sins, and you come up out of that grave of water that we call baptism reborn spiritually as Jesus told Nicodemus, has to take place for any of us to enter the kingdom of God. John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. As you come up, your sins are forgiven. As Peter told the Jews gathered on Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, and Ananias told Saul in Acts chapter 22 and verse 16, Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling in the name of the Lord. At that point, you come into salvation in Christ. 
as Jesus told the apostles to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, and he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who does not believe shall be condemned. Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16. And you are changed. You are transformed. As Paul put it in 2 Corinthians 5, in verse 17, that you have been made new. You're a new creation. And so how wonderful it is for God to give us the opportunity for a new beginning, a new start, to wipe the slate clean as far as our sins are forgiven and give us the opportunity to be with him for all of eternity in heaven. How blessed we are to have the gospel of Christ. And we feel blessed to be able to communicate that gospel message to you. And we want to continue to do that in a very faithful way. Now, we're going to get back into our study today, asking the question, what does Christian only mean? At the end of the program, as we always do, we'll tell you how you can contact us, and you can receive a free Bible study that will go into depth and detail right from the scriptures, teaching you how you can be a Christian only, just a Christian, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. And in so doing, how you can come to salvation, forgiveness, how you can get your second start or your redo, so to speak. Now, the study is free. We'll even take care of the postage. You can also receive a copy of today's program on CD, and again, for free, and we'll take care of the postage. All you have to do is write down that information and then contact us and ask us for these valuable free materials. We want to help you get to heaven. We want to help you walk with God. We want to help you grow your faith. So have a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper ready, and then in just a little bit we'll tell you how you can contact us and ask for those free materials. Now, again, what does Christian only mean? Followers of Christ were first called Christians at Antioch, Acts chapter 11 and verse 26. The King Agrippa, when Paul was presenting his defense after he had been arrested by the Roman authorities in Jerusalem and he was about to be transported to Rome to stand before Caesar, Agrippa was listening to his defense. And when Paul had pretty much completed what he was going to say, then Agrippa said, almost you persuade me to become a Christian, or in a short time you would persuade me to become a Christian. Now, also Peter used that term of identity and designation in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 16 when he talked about suffering as a Christian. These are the only three times that term is used in the entire New Testament. Twice in the book of Acts, once in Peter's first letter, 1 Peter 4 and verse 16. And yet the principle of Christianity and the identity is taught throughout the New Testament. Jesus came to establish his church, his church, not somebody else's church, not a denomination, not denominationalism, but his church. And his followers would become Christians. The literal meaning of the word is Christ ones. They would be his disciples. Now, 
many churches are out there, mostly denominations, that claim to be following Christ, claim to be Christians. But when you ask a person from one of those churches, denominations, what are you religiously? Well, they will typically, and this will be the vast majority of the time, respond by telling you the name of their denomination. Now, if you further ask them, well, are you a Christian? Oh, yes, yes, but they're this brand of Christian or that brand of Christian. Well, that's not what the scriptures teach about Christianity. The scriptures simply teach being a Christian. What does Christian only mean? Well, we saw that first it means accepting Christ on his terms, not our terms, not some terms that were devised by man, written down on paper, and called some kind of system of theology, but rather on Christ's terms, as he has revealed to us in his word. Second, we saw that Christian only means standing firm on true doctrine. Remember that the Apostle John wrote in 2 John chapter 1 and verse 9, whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. Now there's only one doctrine of Christ. He brought his teachings. Now mankind has changed a lot of those teachings to suit themselves. But he only brought one gospel message. And in Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, the Apostle Paul rebuked the churches of Galatia for turning to a different gospel, which Paul quickly said is not another gospel, but there are some who pervert or twist the gospel. And so Paul went on then in a very emphatic way and said, you don't listen to even an angel from heaven who preaches some other gospel than what you have received. You don't even listen to an angel from heaven teaching you a different gospel because there's only one gospel. And he said that even if an angel from heaven were to do that, he would stand accursed. But then he brought it more down to earth when he said, if any man or any one teaches you another gospel or any gospel other than what you have received, let him be accursed. So we need to pay attention to what people are teaching us and also to what we end up believing and practicing because there's only one true way. There's only one doctrine of Christ. There's only one gospel of Christ, and that's all. In Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 41, We read about the early church in its very, very early stages, and I mean really early stages. The Apostle Peter was preaching on Pentecost, and when many of those Jewish people who were listening to him heard and came to the point where they were convicted about their sin in rejecting Christ, they asked what they needed to do. And so in verse 38 of Acts chapter 2, Peter said, repent. They needed to change. They had rejected Christ, 
as their Savior and Lord, they had to accept him. They had not followed him, they had to follow him. They had not believed in him, they had to believe in him. So that's repentance, turning it around, a change of mind that leads to a change of behavior. And then he went on and said, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So he told them how to be forgiven, how to be saved. And then when we find that early church, that first congregation of the Lord's church established upon this earth in the very early days of its existence, we look at verse 41, and here we read, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. And here's earmarks of the, that first congregation, and that really serves as a model for us. Peter went on, or rather Luke, as he wrote this, went on and said, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. So they continued steadfastly. And they continued steadfastly, in the, the apostles' doctrine, the truth of the scriptures of God's word. And they continued steadfastly in fellowship with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ in that true church. And they continued steadfastly in the breaking of bread. And that would point to the Lord's Supper. That would talk about worship. And they continued steadfastly in prayers. Now in verse 47, again, understanding that first congregation and how they how people became Christians and how they came to salvation it says praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved so it wasn't a matter of somebody just having a feeling within their hearts as it's put a lot of times or having some kind of experience that they interpret to be a salvation experience. It's not a matter of somebody, some church, voting them in, but rather when a person obeys what Peter told those Jews on Pentecost to obey, when they repent of their sins and they're baptized into Christ, the Lord adds them to the church. He does the adding. We don't, he does. We must continue to live by the true doctrine of Christ. We must be as steadfast in our dedication to Christ and his teachings as were those first century Christians in those very early days of the church's existence. Jesus emphasized truth in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. He said, if you abide in my word, that is, live in or live by my word, you are my disciples indeed. So conditional upon our being disciples or followers of Christ is that we live by his teachings. He went on in the next verse and said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now in John chapter 17 and verse 17, on the night of his betrayal, he identified what that truth is, where it can be found, and that is God's word. He prayed to the Father on that, that evening, sanctify them by your truth, 
your word is truth. So it is the truth of God's word by which we come to salvation, through which we are sanctified, through which we are led to forgiveness and salvation. Peter wrote along this line in 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 22. He's writing to Christians here, and he says, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. God's word is the key. God's word guides us to forgiveness and salvation in Christ. So we need to learn God's word sufficiently enough to be able to know what God wants us to do in coming to him for forgiveness and salvation. When Paul was seemingly ready to be executed, he warned Timothy about people turning to false doctrine. It was coming down the pike, so to speak. And he told Timothy how to safeguard against this, how to head it off, so to speak. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning with verse 1, he said, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Do you see the importance of the truth of God's word again? People will want to have their ears scratched. They will want to hear teaching that satisfies what they want it to be, what they want to hear, and they'll find teachers who will teach them along those lines. But in so doing, if they're not careful, they'll be turning away from the truth. Paul said, head that off by continuing emphatically and consistently to keep preaching the word. It's no wonder that in the second verse of second chapter rather of Paul's second letter to Timothy he said be diligent to present yourself approved unto God a worker who does not need to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth now that means we've got to get into God's word on a consistent basis we've got to pay attention to what it teaches and we've got to submit our will to God's will as it is revealed through his word. We need to be people of the book, people who have a basic understanding of what the scriptures teach, and then we need to be consistently dedicated and committed to live by those teachings. In Titus chapter 1 and verse 9, Paul talked about how we need to stand against those who do not stand in and for the true teachings of God's word. He said, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine, or correct teaching in other words, 
both to exhort and convict those who contradict or those who are teaching error, false teaching. Titus chapter 1 and verse 9. Well, when we're talking about being a Christian only and asking what that means, well, as we've studied, first it means accepting Christ and his terms, not making up some plan of salvation that suits us, but we've simply got to come to God through Christ in the way that Jesus gave us in his gospel. And then second, it means standing firm on true doctrine or true teaching. We must not just believe something, but we must believe what God's word teaches. And if that means that we have always believed something in the past that was incorrect, that if we're going to be true to God, if we're going to be really dedicated to him, and if we really love him, we're going to give up what we believed in the past that now we have found through God's word to be a mistake. We're going to give that up and we're going to embrace what God's word really teaches. We must continue to study We must continue to live by the sound doctrine, the true teachings of God's word, in order to guard against falling into error. Being a Christian, being a Christian only, means that we've got to walk that narrow path of truth. Truth is narrow. It's not open to everybody's interpretation, but it is simply what God has given us in his word. And we must submit our will to his will communicated to us in his word. Now, in just a minute, we're going to tell you how to contact us. So write down that information and you can receive a copy of today's program on CD for free. We'll take care of the postage. But we would like to encourage you to get into God's word And so ask for that free Bible study. It will teach you in a rather detailed fashion, but an easy to understand way, what the plan of salvation is, what it means to be a Christian, how to live that life as a follower of Jesus. We want to help you with this. And again, it's free. Please write down that information and then contact us and ask us, for these materials that can literally make the difference in your eternal salvation. We hope to hear from you right away.